a little five-year-old boy was at his first Christmas pageant, and he was one of the shepherds. And you know how that goes. He wears his bathrobe and his slippers and had his cardboard shepherd's crook, and he wasn't the lead shepherd. He was just one of the shepherds, so he was kind of in and amongst the shepherds. But when it got to the nativity, he kind of scrambled up to get to the front of it to see what was going on. And he looked, and he turned around, and he ran up to the footlights, and he looked out into the crowd for his parents, and he said, Mommy, Daddy, Mary had her baby, and it's the boy. You know, the simple wonder and excitement of children. Christmas can get crowded with so many things. And we can lose sight of the very simple and yet profound, wonderful truth that a baby has been born that is changing lives. This has been an incredibly hard year, unprecedented year than any of us have ever experienced or seen. This Christmas Eve, we're going to ask a simple question and explore the answer. How does the birth of Christ change your life? And we're going to look at the answer in Galatians chapter 4. First, the birth of Christ. How does it change your life? First, it frees you from guilt. It frees you from guilt. There's two details in Galatians 4.4 that are incredibly important. God sent forth his son, born of woman, and born under the law. Now, what does that mean? Why are those two details so incredibly important, and what exactly do they mean? Well, first, Jesus was born of woman. That means that he was 100% human and is still 100% human. And yes, he's 100% God as well. Fully God, fully human, not some mixture of the two. Born of woman, Jesus came into this world not as some sort of human. He came and put on your flesh. He put on a body. Second detail, born under the law. Born under the law. This is speaking of, of God's law, God's commands for how life's to be lived. The, the summary being the Ten Commandments. God's law is a, a beautiful, his beautiful design for human flourishing. That's what his law is. It's a beautiful design for human flourishing. So Jesus Christ was born 100% human, like you and me, underneath the same law that we're born under, God's law, his beautiful design for how life is to be lived. Now, why? Why was Christ born of woman and born under the law? Look at verse five. To redeem those who were under the law. That word redeem, it means to purchase a slave out of slavery is to purchase a slave's 
freedom. That's what the word redeem means. And so verse five of Galatians four could read to purchase the freedom of those enslaved by the law. You say, now how is God's law enslaving? Think about uh, dangling a carrot. You've heard that kind of phrase in front of someone. You know, chasing the carrot, dangling the carrot in front of someone. What do you, what's that phrase mean? It means that you, you dangle this carrot out in front and, and you can never quite get it, right? So you keep chasing the carrot, but you can never grab it and you're enslaved by it. That's what it means that God's law is enslaving. It's, it's like a dangling carrot. It's this picture of how we're supposed to live, but we can't do it perfectly. And we fail all the time, even when we want to do it right. Even when we want to do the right thing, <laughs> we do the wrong thing. We do what we don't want to do. Uh, the man who wrote most of the New Testament, or a good portion of it, the Apostle Paul, explained this slavery well. He said in Romans 7, 15, for I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. That's a description of slavery. I can't do what I want to do. When I, I want to do right, I end up doing evil. I end up sinning. I can't obey God's law perfectly. You've experienced that. You don't want to lie. But boy, if I just spin the truth just a little bit, this could work out really well for a promotion at work. Man, it's hard not to lie. Or I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to commit sexual morality. But man, that momentary pleasure and excitement is just so hard to resist. Or I really don't want to eat that sweet because I'm on a diet. This is appropriate for the holidays. I don't want to eat that sweet, but man, I just ate that sweet. I can't keep this diet. We know exactly what it's like to not be able to obey perfectly. And what happens when you do the very thing you don't want to do? Guilt piles on. And how do we typically respond to, to guilt? I'm going to do better next time. I'm not going to eat that sweet next time. I'm not going to lie next time. And then what happens? We do it again. We fail again. And it, it, be, it starts this endless cycle, right, of failure, guilt, try harder. Failure, guilt, try harder. Jesus was born of woman and born under the law to free you from that endless cycle and from that awful slavery. You say, How? How did he do it? He became fully human. He put on your flesh. He put on a body and obeyed God's law perfectly. Jesus Christ, fully human, did everything that God has ever asked a human being to do. And Jesus Christ did everything that God has ever asked a human being to do who has sinned, which is punishment. He died on the cross for your sin. He bore the punishment. Jesus has a perfect, spotless record as a human being doing everything that God ever asked 
and ever required. Trying harder will never give you a perfect record. The only way you get a perfect record is by turning to Jesus Christ and trusting him in faith. And when you do that, you get Christ's perfect record. Bob Sheffield was a professional hockey player in Canada. You know hockey players. He was a fighter. He was a battler. He was tough. And he found himself in jail one night after a barroom brawl. Well, years after his experience in jail that night, he turned to faith in Jesus Christ. He put his faith in Christ. He started working for a Christian organization and they assigned him to work in the United States. Bob was a Canadian, so he had to apply for immigrant status. Well, guess what he happened when he applied for immigrant status? He had a criminal record, and they denied him. So he decided to apply for what in Canada is known as the Queen's Pardon. He applied for it, they did a thorough investigation, and after they had done the thorough investigation, they granted him a pardon, and he received this in the mail. Whereas we have since been implored on behalf of the said Robert Jones Sheffield to extend a pardon to him in respect to the convictions against him. And whereas the Solicitor General here submitted a report to us, now therefore, having taken these things into consideration, that we are willing to extend the royal clemency on him, the said Robert J. Sheffield, we have pardoned, remitted, and released him of every penalty to which he was liable in pursuance thereof. And you know what that meant? On any document in the future that Bob Sheffield was asked if he had a criminal record, he could honestly say no. He had been released from punishment and even greater than that, greater than the release from punishment, the record of the crime that he committed had been completely erased. That's the pardon that you receive through Jesus Christ. By faith, not by trying harder, but by trusting harder. When you trust Jesus Christ, you get a perfect record. He frees you from your guilt. You will never erase your guilt by trying harder or doing better or doing it all over again. All right, we're at the new year. What do we do in the new year's resolutions? I'm gonna do better. All right, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing that to get rid of guilt, it will never work. Trusting in Jesus Christ and receiving his perfect record is what will take away your guilt. How does the birth of Christ change your life? He frees you from guilt. Second, he frees you from insecurity. Frees you from insecurity, redeemed and freed. Verse five, so that, here's the second purpose, so that we might receive adoption as sons. It's not, it's not enough to just be free from guilt. You can be free from guilt and be incredibly insecure. You can still live as an orphan, not a son or a daughter. Now, verse five says, adoption as sons. And you may hear that and say, that's, that's pretty gender insensitive. 
That's pretty chauvinistic. In fact, verse seven, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Say, what about the daughters? Wouldn't it be better if it said we, we become sons and daughters of God? Well, it would, but it missed the point. Paul's actually making a revolutionary claim here. In the first century, the eldest son in a family received the entire inheritance. Daughters didn't receive any inheritance. They were second-class citizens. So what Paul's saying here is we all become sons of God, meaning that we all receive the same benefits and inheritance as the eldest son our elder brother, Jesus Christ. There's no second-class citizens. This is actually, rather than being offensive, this is a revolutionary claim, a promise that raises you to the highest honor, that you get the same treatment as Jesus Christ, the Son, receives from his Father. That if you're in Christ, you receive the same love that God the Father gives to his Son, Jesus. And not only that, you receive the same access that Jesus the Son has to his Father. Verse six, because your sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That word Abba, here in Galatians 4, is the same word that Jesus used when he cried out to God in the hours before his death. Abba means dear dad or dearest father. Very intimate term of endearment. Jesus calls his daddy that, and you, having faith in Christ, get to call God the Father that as well. You have the exact same access in Christ to God the Father. Now, as amazing as this is, you and I know that status is oftentimes very different than experience. That you can have a status, but then you can fail to experience something. The question on Christmas Eve is not so much, do you believe that you have the same access to God the Father as Jesus the Son? That's a great question and one you need to answer. Probably the more pressing question is, are you experiencing that? Are you experiencing your adoption? into God's family. Status and experience is very different. There was a family years ago who adopted an older child from an unspeakably awful situation in orphanage in another country. And they brought this adopted child back to their home. And they said, the one thing you need to know is you just, they put an expectation on her, you need to clean your room every day. You just need to clean your, clean your room. And so she took this responsibility and viewed it as a way that she could earn her family's love. She took this responsibility and then applied it to the way that she had to think in an orphanage, which is fend for yourself. And so her parents, her new parents, would come in the bedroom in the morning and she would sit on the edge of her bed and she'd look at them and say, 
My room is clean. Can I stay? Will you still love me? She was legally adopted. She had the status of child in this family, but she wasn't experiencing adoption. The same can happen to you and me. We can believe that we are children of God, that we've been adopted into his family through Christ's work, and yet we can fail to experience that. You say, what's that look like? How do I know if I'm experiencing my adoption into God's family where I have the same love poured out on me that's poured out on Jesus the Son and the same access to God the Father as Jesus has, how do I know if I'm experiencing that? Do you ever get anxious? I should see every head nod. Anxious about money? Anxious about school? Anxious about friends? Anxious about grades? Maybe anxious about job success? That's an orphan mentality. That's an orphan mentality, right? The son or daughter feels freed from worry because of God's love. Do you ever get defensive when accused of doing something wrong or accused of weakness? You don't have to nod. Just I'll take it as a a yes. Of course we do. That's an orphan mentality. The son or daughter is open to criticism because he or she rests on Christ's perfect record. Or is is your solution to failure ever try harder? When I fail, I'm just going to try harder. That's an orphan mentality. The son or the daughter is trusting less in self and more in the Holy Spirit. Not trying harder, but trusting harder. Do you ever compare yourself with other people? Keep up with the Joneses? That's an orphan mentality. It's an orphan mentality. The son or daughter is content in relationships because he or she is accepted by God. God has sent forth the spirit of his son, Jesus, into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. You are free from guilt, and you are free from insecurity. You're secure in God's love. You are loved like Christ is loved by his Father, and you are honored like Christ is honored by his Father. Let's pray. Father, your love is Astounding. Your love is beautiful. As we ponder on this Christmas Eve, what you have done through the birth of your son Jesus, not just his birth, but life, death, resurrection, we're astounded that by faith in your son, we receive his perfect record, sinless record. And Beyond that, that we're adopted into your family, that we're your children, that you love us deeply. The love you have for your son Jesus is the same love for you have 
for us who are in Christ. And even the, the name that your son Jesus calls you is the name that we can call you by. Oh, Father, would you help us to not just know that we're adopted into your family, but to experience it richly this Christmas Eve and tomorrow on Christmas Day as we reflect on what your son Jesus Christ has done. Father, now as we light candles and sing your praises, would you fill our hearts with hope and joy and peace. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.